There's a recent new song sung in my house by my daughter, Lila. It goes a little bit like this. I want to go to grandpa's house. Or I want to go to grandma's house. But Lila isn't the only one singing the song. So is Dikai. Can I go to grandpa's house? Or, or can I go to grandma's house? Dikai isn't the only one singing the song either. So is my teenage daughter, Kyla. The lyrics are a little bit different, a little bit of a remix. Grandpa, can you give me some money? But the kids are not the only ones singing the song either. Paige and I are singing the song as well. We're about to see if you both and all three of you can go to grandpa or grandma's house because y'all are driving us crazy. Friends, grandparents are a blessing. They are a blessing from God. And I believe because of the long life lived by grandparents, they have a greater possibility of understanding the purpose of life. They have a greater understanding of the purpose of family. They have a great grasp on why God has made us. And I believe God uses godly grandparents to remind our families of its core identity, the gospel. If you have godly grandparents or had godly grandparents, consider yourself blessed. Consider yourself blessed. Blessed because there may be some hard aches you'll avoid because they lived it already and can give you advice on how to avoid it. Some of the best advice in life comes from grandpa and grandma. Not only did they live it, but, but they lived long enough to tell you, sweetie, life is about God. I know that sounds simple. I know that sounds plain. But, but, but sometimes some, some, some of the sweetest advice you can ever get from your grandparent is, sweetie, whatever nickname that they give you, life is about God. Grandparents, are, 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 grandparents often are able to help us to achieve whatever godly family that we are trying to achieve, according to the scriptures. They help us achieve a godly home. My assumption is that every healthy Christian home sincerely wants it to be centered on the gospel. Amen. All of us, uh, to, 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 to some degree, if, if we've been born again, if, if we love God, if we love the Lord, we may not do it perfectly. We may not always get it right. Monday may look different than Wednesday. Friday may look different than Tuesday. But our desire, our goal, our heart, our vision is to have a house that is rooted and centered on Jesus. And one of God's greatest blessings to family is godly grandparents. Some of us may not have grandparents. God also blesses us with elders within our church. God uses godly grandparents to help families make their homes about Jesus. This is why the Bible says, here it is, Proverbs 16, 31. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. Man, I need to read that again. 
the dye industry is about to lose a whole lot of money. Gray hair is a crown of splendor, Chris. Did you hear? There it is right there. It is attained in the way of righteousness, Brenda. Proverbs 16, 31. So it brings me to my first point. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. Now listen. I want to be clear. Facebook, hope you're listening. Those in the room, hope you guys are listening, all right? Everybody's listening. I'm going to say this, and after I say this, we're going to leave it alone, all right? Ain't going to be no conversation about it at the church. Ain't going to be no emails, no inboxes, no, no phone calls, nothing, all right? We all on the same page. Ain't going to be no conversation, all right? Ain't going to be no discussion. Ain't going to be no Q&A afterward, all right? And I'm going to be honest with y'all because y'all my family and I love y'all, man. And we like this. We tight. So I'm going to let y'all in on a little bit of my business, but I'm nothing. All right? Facebook, no comments. All right? Don't be hitting the lab button. All right? The other day, my wife was braiding my hair, and she spotted a gray, a gray string on the top of my head. Don't want to hear nothing. I don't want to hear nothing. All right? She said, babe, you got a gray, you got a gray hair. The good news is, is that she got an eye appointment next week, and she, we're going to get that cleared up. We're going to get that cleared up, because ain't nowhere in the world I got, I'm thir- I ain't even 33 yet, so I can't have no gray hair yet. Not yet. But why do we hate getting gray hair? Why do we hate getting gray hair? Because we don't want to get older. But like it or not, the longer you live, the older you'll get. The Bible even calls gray hair a crown of splendor. See, in the biblical days, gray hair was a sign of success through tribulation. Means you made it through what should have killed you, what should have took you out a long time ago. Means you figured some things out along the way. Means you persevered through some trials. Man, some of y'all have been through some things that's so great and so big that you're surprised that you're here right now. Gray hair meant that righteousness overcame evil in your life in the biblical days. It was a sign of a person who made good choices and the folly of you didn't swallow them up. And gray hair came with social honor, societal honor. You know, we, we, we don't honor our grandparents, and our elders like they used to. Gray hair meant in biblical times that at some point along the path that that person had followed the way of the Lord. They stopped leaning to their own understanding. They didn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or sit in the seat of mockers, but delighted themselves in the Lord. And coming to age was seen as a good thing. It was seen as a delightful thing. It was seen as something big, something huge. It was seen as one who walked with God. Now, to be clear, the verse says gray hair is a crown of splendor. And the difference between those with splendor and those without is one is a servant to others and the other is a servant to self. I want to be clear. Just because somebody has gray hair doesn't mean you should take their advice. I want to be clear. I hate you going out looking for gray hair now. 
because some of the biggest fools have gray hair. And a senior told me that. So I had, you know, that ain't coming from me. All right, that's coming from a senior that I know, all right? Some of the biggest fools have gray hair. Consequently, I seen it for myself as well. You say, but pastor, the verse said gray hair is obtained the righteousness. I need to slow down here because I need to help you when it comes to interpreting the Proverbs. The Proverbs are essential truths, not whole truths. In other words, you can't take a proverb and apply it to every circumstance. For an example, the proverb says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Y'all know that verse, right? Everybody know that verse, right? Right? In fact, I was driving on Grand. There's a whole daycare named after this verse. It's called train them up. <laughs> Black folks are pussy, man, make some stuff. Boy. Now, 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 many of you know children who have been trained in the way they should go, and they have departed. And they grown, grown. Some of them say, I don't want nothing to do with the Lord. We know mommy and daddy raised them right. But yet they're going in a different direction. Or he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Some of you know a man who found a wife and it wasn't a good thing for him. Watch it, Pastor. Hence, the Proverbs are essential truths. They are words of wisdom. They are principle rules. In other words, when they are generally applied, moving in this way, things happen. So you do find people with gray hair that are not righteous. But in general, in biblical days, you didn't become gray without walking with the Lord. And getting gray is not for wimps. Getting gray isn't for wimps. Listen, I used to work at a nursing home, and I will never forget this. I will never forget this as long as I stay black, y'all. I'm never going to forget this. I was working at a nursing home, and it was this one book. Every time I used to be in housekeeping, I told you guys this before, and I used to go in this one room, and while I'm cleaning the room, it was this one book that stood out to me in this residence room. And it was titled, Getting Old Isn't for Wimps. It just stood out to me. And in one sense, it was talking about the effects of aging. Aging has its not-so-good effects. Things don't work like they used to as you age. They, they just don't work the way that they used to, you know? And, 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 and I actually got a friend, and sometimes I work out with this friend, and we'll be walking, and all of a sudden, she'll throw it back out. And I'm like, I'm like, what happened to you? We playing Jenga. Throw her back out. Her back hurt. And I say, what happened to you, my friend? You barely, you barely turned. You, you know, you barely did a 180. And my friend would say, Pastor, just get old and you'll see. And as a young man, I look at some of the pain that our elders go through and I marvel at their toughness. But more than their physical toughness, I marvel at their spiritual toughness. Godly older people have had several fights with the devil. They are experienced with fighting the devil. Not only have they had three to ten rodeos, they have had several rodeos with the devil. They have resisted him and resisted him. I'm talking about godly grandparents. They have resisted the devil. They had to flee from the devil. And to me, 
To flee and resist the devil is no wimpy move. To run from temptation is no wimpy move. And if we're being honest and if we're being real, some of us have faced some temptation that has swallowed us alive and in fact is still wreaking havoc in our lives. And and it is hard to turn down some things. Amen. One of the things about older godly people is that they've been in a few fights with the devil. And look at our proverbs in in context. Because not only... Not only are they tough physically as you consider the things that they go through, not only have they had several fights with the devil, but they had several fights with their flesh. Okay, now I'm going to pull up at your house. I'm talking about the flesh, flesh. I'm talking about the old you, Keith, you know what I'm talking about? The old man. You know the one that gets on your nerves. The one that wakes up in the morning and, and, and tells you all kinds of lies. I'm talking about the one that tells you that life is all about you. I'm talking about, I'm talking about self. I'm talking about, as Michael Jackson put it, the man in the mirror. I'm talking about that guy. One thing about godly older people is that they had several fights with the old man. But look at the verse in context. It says this in verse 32. Whoever is slow to anger, slow to anger, Slow to anger is better than the mighty. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Did you hear that? In other words, it takes more strength to have self-control than to take control over someone else. It takes more strength. It takes more power to control yourself than to take over an entire city. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so easy to, 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 to have insight into other people's sin, and we can be blind to our own sin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's easy to tell other people to let things go. It is harder to let things go yourself. It is, it, 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 it is easy to advise everyone else but yourself. And what the Proverbs is saying is that it takes more power, it takes more might, it takes more strength to get one's spirit under control than to control a city. Our sorest fights and our noblest victories are within, friends. And godly grandparents don't react or give attention to the things they, are, they, 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 they have fallen privy to in their past. They are not bothered by the things that bother young folks. They have a sense of peace and calmness about them. They have matured in the faith, grown in the spirit. I'm talking about godly grandparents. And sometimes what our families need is not a raise at the job. Amen, somebody for that. What our family need is not a new home sometimes. No, that's not what our family needs all of the time. It's not a new car, but sometimes what our family needs is a senior in the house. I believe one of the most frustrating things to the devil is a godly grandparent and godly elders in the church. One of the most frustrating things that drives the devil bunkers, that drives him crazy, is a godly, wise, loving grandparent. 
parent that loves the Lord, that knows the Lord. I'm talking about the grandparent that seems like they're talking to themselves, but they're talking to God. I'm talking about grandparents that really, really, really walk with God, like they know God. And when you go through something, the first person you think of outside of God is them. That is a tremendous blessing in the house. And the devil knows that they're not scared of him. Not only are they not scared of the devil, but they know his schemes. And often they help our families not get tangled up in the schemes of the devil. Godly grandparents. Raising a godly family is not for wimps. And so you need at least one person, at least one, who is not a spiritual wimp in the house. And one of the hardest things you can do in life is raise a godly family. And you'll need some folks around you that have endured some storms, who've been through some things. I'm not talking about people who know stuff in theory. I'm not talking about people who are book smart. I'm not talking about people who got degrees. I'm talking about people who have passed the test of life who've been through some things. You ever had a situation that you didn't want to talk to people who knew things in theory? You wanted to talk to somebody who actually been through what you've been through. Don't you come talking to me unless you've been through what I've been through. I don't want to hear your advice. You ain't lived this. You ain't walked this. So you can't talk to this. I need somebody who's actually been through some things. You need people whose faith has been tested. Faith who has been tried. And proven to be true. Ain't it something when you talk to somebody whose faith been tested and they're still standing? I'm talking about some of the things that we value in life. Family, kids, house, health. Been tested, taken away from them. And they still singing hymns. I need to talk to them. Because either you crazy Oh, you know God. One or the other. I'm talking about going through it, washing dishes, still talking to Jesus. I need, I need to talk to them. I don't need to talk to the therapist. I'm, I'm with therapy. I think you should get therapy. I'm, I'm for all that. But sometimes I ain't looking for degrees. I'm looking for some folks who faith has been tried and they still love Jesus. They probably can't drop any big theological words, no propitiation or expiation or any of the Asians, but I know one thing, they believe in the God of creation. That ram right there, Chris. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I'm going to keep going, though. That was pretty good. I didn't even see it coming. It just hit me. It just came right here. It just bam. I had to put it out there. Anyways, let me keep going. You know why people like Toyota? You know everybody want a Toyota car? Because Toyotas last. Man, I have seen people driving Toyotas from, from, from the 90s. I'm talking about when Rodney King, when they got him. I mean, they've been driving this since then, and that car's still driving. It'd be like 400,000 miles on the Toyota, and they still drive it. And that's why people want Toyotas, because they last. There's something comforting about people who have stood the test of time. They help calm our fears and our doubts, and they give us hope. And friends, one of the hardest trials on this side of heaven is raising a godly family. 
One thing we need to raise a godly family is we need wisdom. And sometimes wisdom comes through people with gray hair, grandparents. God uses grandparents in various ways to help gospelize our family, to help center our family on Jesus, to, to help our families keep their eyes on the cross, to help our families mature up in Jesus in a way that we love one another and stay united and serve one another. God used grandparents. Here's one of the ways that he used them. Godly grandparents reminds our families of our core identity. You see, we often want to run from getting old, if we're being honest. And one of the reasons this is is because we begin to get too comfortable here. Yeah, we begin to think the earth is our home. See, we despise gray hair because we hate getting older. And getting older is an indication of getting closer to the end of life. And we hate the thought of the end of life. What about my children? What about my stuff? What about my friends? What about my beauty? What about my body? What about my identity? We begin to find our identity in all those things. But the Bible reminds the Christian that this life is not the end. And that's good news, friends. But God has a new heaven. And God has a, a new earth. Y'all do still believe that in here, amen? Facebook, y'all still do believe that, that, that we got a future that's coming that is far better than our present. But it's coming because of the finished work of Jesus. And the Bible reminds us that the future is better than our right now. It says it like this. Let me remind you. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor, nor pain, nor snow. See, y'all should have corrected me right there. That's putting stuff in the scripture. It's not even there. Nor pain. For the former things have passed away. The gospel reminds us that this place is not our home. And we shouldn't find our identity in the here and now. But, 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 but. One of the follies that tend to be amongst younger people is we think we'll live forever. When you're young, like me, you think that you'll live forever. Yeah, you think that you'll be here forever. We think everything will continue to work and function just fine. That's just what we tend to believe. Old age hasn't hit some of us yet. Our bodies hasn't reminded us that we are finite yet. Things still stand up when they need to. Let's keep looking at me. Gravity hasn't got the best of us, Mike. We can still roll with the best of them. We can still lift things when we need to, 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 to lift things. We still got our beauty. Gravity hasn't taken hold of our body. Aches haven't taken hold of our body. But older folks' bodies remind them very clearly that this life ain't forever, for the things of this world is fading away. And not only do they know it theologically, but they can feel it happening to them. You hear me? They feel it in their bodies. The truth of the Bible, they feel it in their bodies. But the beauty of the godly older person is they are being renewed in the inside. 
And this is what they rejoiced over. This is what Paul rejoiced over. This is what Paul sung about. This is what Paul got excited about. This is what made Paul lift his hands and shout. Although his body was wasting away, although he was becoming an old man, although he couldn't run the way that he used to run, lift the things that, that he used to live. Paul got excited and he says this, so we do not lose heart. Oh, come on, Paul, preach to God's people this morning. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. You know, your, this body here, whether you feel it or believe it or not, is wasting away. Went to the dentist this week. She pretty much told me one day your teeth going to fall out. She just pretty much told me. And it's happening right now. Bacteria, all that is eating away at me. One day, they're going to be gone. That's why I tried to enjoy my ribs yesterday. you wasting away. But watch this. But our inner self is being renewed day by day. My, my, my. You don't shout on that verse yet? I can't even shout to the place that I need to shout. I know in mine I should shout, but, but it ain't until your body starts to really fade away that you begin to re rejoice in the second half of that verse. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And then he says this in verse 17. Come on, Paul. For this is light momentary affliction. It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Did you catch it? Outside wasting away, but deep down in the inside, God is doing something new. God is doing something good. God is doing something incomprehensible. God is doing something that is unexpressible in the believer. I'm dying on the outside, but new life is rising up on the inside. And this is why it is good to have grandparents in the home or in your life or in your family or in your church because they didn't get gray hair for nothing. They have lived enough life, endured enough trial, disappointed by enough things to know this life is fleeting. And you don't want to figure that out on your deathbed. They have had their trials and life has given them their trials with things of this world and they have found it worthless in the end and in turn they have discovered what the, Rome, what the book of Romans teach us for from him and through him and to him are all things. You better get it. You better get it because everything that you got going to fail you one day. From your beauty on down, it's all going to fade away. And if you haven't come to the resolve that, it is, that everything is from him, to him, and through him, you are going to be one depressed person in the end, and it's going to be hard for you to face death. Life is all about him. It's what any wise grandparent would tell you. And they will remind you of this over and over and over again. Although the older person body is wasting away. Oh, but their souls. The godly grandparents, it is bursting with life. And they have found hope by having their identity rooted in the one who does not fade away. The Lord Jesus Christ. Grandparents don't only remind us of our identity, 
but grandparents can give wisdom through family trials. One of the hardest things to build is a family. One has to be wise to build a family that is in harmony. Family harmony is not a fairy tale harmony, and they live happily ever after. Doesn't work that way, Brenda. Just doesn't. No matter who they are, or how well you know each other, or how much you love each other, every family member is sometimes annoying. Yeah, at least annoying. Even mamas get annoyed at their kids. Even mamas. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have hardcore seeing done against each other. These are unavoidable. Because one thing you can count on from sinners is that they will sin. And often our family members seem to us to be the worst sinners we know. Why? We know them the best, and we see our family members at their worst. And they see us at our worst. And everybody else think you terrific on the outside. You don't know nobody till you live with them. I don't care what you say. I don't care... I don't care how nice you say they are, how loving you say they are, how much you think you know them, you don't know nobody until y'all dwell in the same household. Man, some of the people you dislike the most are right there in your house. Come right here. Keep looking over here. Keep looking over there. Ain't got to know that. Some of the nastiest looks come from husband to wife or wife to husband. I didn't seen it. Police. You know what they say? I'm told the most dangerous call police make are the ones, the ones that are really, really bad. The ones that they dread going to is not burglary calls, not the high-speed chase. But as the prophet has just said in the front row, domestic disturbances. Often cops walk in and it be going down, all right? Domestic cases are the worst. And in fact, I need to pause right here because we need to pray for that in the city of Gary. We got too many domestic violence cases in the city of Gary. Families not in harmony are explosive. But thank God for grandparents who have been there, done that, and can often offer advice to help us when we are in our worst with raising our families. Not sure if it happened to you yet. Not sure if you got into a family dilemma or a situation or a circumstance that you could not resolve within the context of your own family. And when you get into it, you don't need Dr. Phil. You don't need a friend. You don't need a homeboy. There are some situations that only grandma and grandpa can answer. Sometimes you need gray head advice. Or if you don't have it yet, look for it. It's coming. The day is coming when you're going to need gray hair advice. In fact, me and Paige, we're raising a teenager right now, and we needed some gray hair advice. Yeah, I don't know if you raised a teenager before, but it, 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 it ain't no It ain't fun. Nah, it ain't fun. It could be fun, but it ain't. It, I mean, you don't just sign up for it. Yeah. So we got a little, you know, we had a little altercation a few months ago with our teenager, about five months back. And I reached out to Paige Mama. I said, I said, we need your help. Thing I love about grandparents, godly grandparents, she didn't waste no time. She didn't hesitate. She came to the house. We all sat at the table. We had a conversation. I don't even remember everything she said. But whatever she said, worked everything out. It's what we needed to hear. 
and it's what she needed to hear. Sometimes you need some folks that are walked in your shoes. Not only did me and Paige have issues that need gray hair advice, Martin Lawrence needed gray hair advice. I don't know if y'all watch the Martin Lawrence show, but I watch it. Martin Lawrence needed some gray hair advice. In one episode, he was debating on whether he should marry Gina, Gina or not. He was running from marriage. Gina left him. Gone. She moved to New York. And gray-haired advice entered into Martin's life. The old man told him he was his age once, and he let a good woman get away. Amen, somebody. Fellas, listen up. And now he's old and lonely. And Martin said, what are you saying? And the old man said, all I'm saying is old fools used to be young fools. And that advice helped Martin to make the right decision. Gray-haired advice is a blessing. Here's another, episode, uh, another person, Daniel Sun. Y'all remember Daniel Sun? Y'all remember Daniel Sun? Netflix got a new series out. It's called Cobra, Cobra Kai. Oh, I love me some Cobra Kai. Woo-wee! I love me some Cobra Kai. And so watching Cobra Kai and Daniel Sun, y'all, he gets in a dilemma. He gets in a situation that he cannot get himself out of. He is perplexed. He don't know where to go. And every time he gets into a situation and he doesn't know where to go, who, do, who does he want to talk to? Mr. Miyagi. He needs some gray hair advice. Godly grandparents not only give good advice, but godly grandparents pray for their families. Y'all remember Joseph in the Bible? Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers. Well, Joseph had a daddy. His name was Jacob. But Joseph didn't see his daddy for decades. When he finally saw his daddy, he was old with a crown of gray hair. His daddy was getting ready to die. And consequently, as Pastor Dates points out, out, before Jacob tasted death, one one of his last moments, he spent praying for his grandkids getting ready to go, getting ready to transition over. And what does Jacob do? Pray for his grandbabies. Look at what the verse says. After this, Joseph was told, behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And it was told to Jacob, your son Joseph has has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength, set up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me. At, at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. I will make you a company of people and give this land to your offspring after, after you for an everlasting possession. He is about to die and he prays that God would bless his grandchildren. Grandparents will pray over you even when mama and daddy ain't no good. And many of us are not impressed by prayer. We're not impressed by praying grandparents. That that doesn't shock us. That doesn't move us because we believe a blessing is an insurance policy or a house to inherit. But friends, grandparents that pray for you to inherit salvation and to live a life that is pleasing to God is the biggest blessing you can ever have. And so grandparents, grab them grandbabies close, wrap your arms around them and pray blessings over them. Pray that the devil will not snare them. Pray that God will cover them. Pray that they will walk in the light. Pray that they will not walk in the counsel of the wicked. I praise God for a church that prays for me, especially some of the seniors 
in this church that tells me, hey, pastor, I want you to know that we're praying for you. And I believe that God is keeping this young man through some of the prayers of some of these faithful seniors that say, I got you in my notebook, pastor. I've been praying for you all week long. I think there's sometimes that ministry should have crushed me, but it didn't crush me because God raised up some seniors that are willing to pray. We pray we can't move like we used to. We can't be involved in everything like we used to, but what we can do is we'll lift you up in prayer even when nobody else is praying for you. Although we're on the sideline and it looks like we're not doing nothing. Just like Moses when he was on the sideline, he had two people lifting up his arms and as long as his arms was lifted, the battle was being won on the field. And I believe that there are some seniors that are lifting our arms up in this church and the reason why Bethel Gary is not dead through a pandemic is because God has called some of them to pray just for this body of believers. And you ought to thank God for that. Every inheritance ain't got to be something physical. We think we need bitcoins or something. No, 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 no. Sometimes God blesses you through people who will pray for you. Oh, my, 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 I'm so glad. I'm so, I'm so happy in my soul right now because when I think about folks that pray for me, that wear their knees out praying for me, where would I be if it wasn't for seniors praying for me when the pastor can't even pray for himself? You better praise God. You got somebody there to pray for you. Last but not least, godly grandparents help raise spiritual families. I want y'all to consider Timothy in the Bible now. I want y'all to consider Paul's protege. I want y'all to consider Paul's disciple. I want y'all to consider Timothy, young Timothy in the faith. We hear a lot about Timothy, and usually when we hear about Timothy, we hear about Paul. We, we, we think that, that, that Timothy became so strong in the faith because of Paul. But friends, yes, Paul played a part in it. But before Paul ever came around, before Paul ever talked to Timothy, before Paul ever knew Timothy, there was somebody else raising that boy. There was somebody else teaching him about God. There was somebody else teaching him the Scripture. There was somebody else teaching Timothy how to pray how to walk with God. And this is what Paul says. He says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayer, talking to Timothy, prayers for uniting all day and day. And as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first, here it is, in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Where did Tim learn about the Lord? Tim who walked with Paul, Tim who passed the churches that Paul started? Friends, his faith started with his grandmother. But how could this be that, that, that this young man would grow up and be a believer, a lover of God's word when the odds are against him? The boy should know the Lord. His mama is unequally yoked to a Greek man. Eunice's name is a Greek one, but she was Jewish. She had married a Greek man who did not raise his son in the Jewish tradition. Timothy had not been circumcised in accordance to the Jewish custom. But nevertheless, Eunice was faithful to teach her son the Old Testament scripture. And grandma had a big hand in it. Man, not much can stop godly women when they want to teach their children about the Lord. But what I love is that they didn't give him religion 
Watch this, church. They didn't give Timothy religion. Paul said it. I love it. I almost shouted in my own writing. They gave him a sincere faith. They gave him something you can't go to the store and buy. They gave him something that the world cannot give you. They gave him something that is not found in every church. They gave him something that some of the best theologians have never seemed to accomplish. They have gave him something that governors and presidents have not been able to get their hands on. They gave the boy a sincere faith. That's huge. Paul said Tim had a sincere faith. What does that mean? What are you talking about? It's meaning this. It was genuine. It was unhypocritical faith. Paul had seen and was betrayed, uh, uh, betrayed by a lot of fake Christians. But he said, Timothy, you're the real deal. You're for real. There's life in you. There's the spirit of God residing in you. Worship team is coming back at this time. But, Timothy, I know where you got it from. I know where you got it from. He says this, you got it from your grandmother. See, Paul is like, first the faith took residence in your grandma, then it moved to your mama, then it moved to you. Yeah, just like that. To your grandmama, to your mama, then to you. Let me put it how Angie said it. It started with big mama, then that faith trinkled on down to mama, and then it trinkled on down to you. And, and, and not only did, did faith just trickle down, it's sincere faith. What is the sincere faith? What does it look like? Genuine trust in the cross of Jesus Christ. Genuine love for, 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 for people. Genuine love for the fellowship of the body. See, what Timothy had was he had good orthodoxy and he had good orthopraxy. You know people that say they know God and don't live like they know God? Or those people who look like they live good but don't believe in a good God? Timothy didn't have either or. Timothy had both, and that came from his grandmother. He lived what he believed. And friends, I'm telling you right now, it is hard to find people that live what they say they believe. And one of the greatest lessons we see in this passage is the sincere faith that was found in Timothy. It was first found in his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And his faith wasn't something for show without depth or substance. Timothy possessed genuine faith in the Lord that will carry him through great difficulty. And oh, my brothers and my sisters, this is the faith that you need, sincere faith. Faith that when the wind blows and the trials come and the waves blow over you and, and, and everything in your life is chaotic and all hell is breaking loose, you're going to need not just faith, you're going to need some sincere faith. So when it clears, you'll still be standing. That's something that grandmother, godly grandparents can teach you. It's the same faith that Job had when he said, though he slay me, yet shall I trust him. That sincere faith, though God takes away 
all that I have, yet shall I trust him. Although I don't know this situation, yet shall I trust him. Though I'm in the middle of a pandemic, yet shall I trust him. Doesn't matter what's going through, yet shall I trust him. That's a sincere faith. Or as Peter said, when everybody was leaving Jesus, Jesus looked at them and said, Peter, you want to leave too? Disciples, you want to leave too? What did Peter say? Where else can we go? You have eternal. This is sincere faith. I can't go nowhere else but to stand on the solid rock that has kept me through every storm and every valley. Oh, the blood that washes me and cleansed me and justified me and changed me. That's the kind of sincere faith that I need. And Paul says that grandmother Lois gave that to Timothy. And I'm telling you this morning that God has blessed grandparents to do such things for their family. 